and welcome to episode 12 of this AFL Life. I am Alison Smanoff and I'm joined by Julia Kiera. How are you going, Julia? Good. Um, I almost broke into Eminem. <laughs> Guess who's back? <laughs> um, yeah, hi Al. That was a long week's break we it, had. It was yes, <laughs> the longest week. <laughs> a week is a long time in football. Oh, it's such a long time. <laughs> Hi, listeners. Hopefully you haven't unsubscribed yes. or deleted us yes. from your podcast list. <laughs> um, I hope you've gone back and listened to previous podcasts of us to fill the void and see how our predictions never came to pass. Exactly. <laughs> and well, maybe just you know relive uh, each week of the AFLW season mm. like I have. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a bit to talk about now. That's why we're back. Mm. We just had the first ever NAB AFL women's trade period. Yes, we did. Two weeks long. Well, the first week, was, was that a long time in football? I saw it pop up on the... Um, AFL Women's Instagram at the end of the first week. They'd obviously kind of pre-put together their graphic of trades done this week. <laughs> and then it was just a picture of Nick Stevens and then it just looped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they went a bit early with trades yes. done this week. Yes. Well, as we, uh, as most would know, there was only one trade that week. Mm. Collingwood's best and fairest winner, Nicola Stevens, is now a blue. Mm. and We'll take her. We'll take her. And Carlton actually had to hand over their first three picks in the draft for her. Mm. Interesting trade. Yes. And if we looked at that trade in isolation, I would go, yep, Carlton's got a plan. Quality player. Obviously, we believe in the other other um, people we've got on our list so we can give up our trades. Uh, draft so, picks. draft picks. Excuse me. But then... <laughs> did a few further moves that I was like, oh, maybe we have, maybe the plan is not as I thought it was. <laughs> not as watertight, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but look, Nick Stevens had an outstanding st- season and certainly shores up the back line at Carlton. Yes. Well, and the next official trade, of course, was another one involving Collingwood and it was Alicia Eva mm. and their first sa- round selection, selection five, going to the GWS Giants for mm. their first and second selections. Mm. The third trade, Collingwood on traded their first pick and selection four and selection 12 to the Western Bulldogs for Jamie Lambert and their pick, which was mm. number three. Yeah. So they've got a midfielder back. Yes. Kind in, 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 a, in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe Lambert's a bit more small forward yeah. um, midfielder. But she... I feel like a lot of players have moved – well, not a lot of players, but a few players have moved around here that maybe we didn't see a lot of this year. And yeah. it's kind of – they're almost – they're not speculative because those players have probably played a lot of state league footy where, you know, they've been – come to the attention of um, uh, selectors but didn't really get their, you know, a full proper season out of them in AFLW and then they've been moved across. Whereas maybe if they'd – had a full season at that club, the club would say, well, we, we can't picture our team without you. Yeah. So we can't, we can't on trade you. Yep. Whereas, well, we can picture you because we can picture our team without you because we didn't see the best of you. If, yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely would probably apply to Jamie Lambert. She just didn't really get going, did she? At no. The doggies. So the next trade was a, bit, a little bit more straightforward. Mm. Uh, Melbourne's Pepper Randall uh, is now a GWS player in exchange for Ashley Guest. Yes, and Pepper was someone who didn't even get on the park this she year, didn't. just through to injury. Yep. Um, but is playing the AFL. 
Yeah, yeah, at yeah. the Eastern Devils. So she's yep. had a couple of games to show sure. her. Yep, show her wares. Mm. And the fifth trade, uh, Melbourne traded Maddie Boyd to GWS for their round five selection, which was selection thirty-three. Mm. Now the next three trades, what we ca- what we're uh, calling the mega trade, <laughs> <laughs> which was basically to um, facilitate Taylor Harris getting to Carlton. Mm. So it involved um, four clubs. Melbourne exchanged Deanna Berry to the Western Bulldogs for their round two selection, which was selection 12. Melbourne then on-traded that pick 12 to Carlton for Bianca Jacobson. And then Brisbane exchanged Taylor Harris to Carlton for Nat Exxon and Bella Eyre. Mm. Selfishly, as a Carlton supporter, I'm not sure about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've got two fantastic players in Nick Stevens in Taylor Harris. Yes. But we've given up an awful lot. Yes. <laughs> Bella Eyre, who, you know, is a star on the rise. Nat Exxon, who, you know, we saw how fast she is, how great a tackler she is. Unfortunately, she hurt herself um, and um, is not playing BFL at the moment because uh, she had ankle surgery. But a very exciting player. Bianca Jacobson also was very serviceable down forward. I think maybe she, at one point she was leading the contestant marks. So, and we've given up all those draft picks. So, I'm not sure. I feel like the terrible trading drafting strategy of the men's team <laughs> <laughs> may have infected the women's, women's team. No, not terrible. Just that thing of uh, they're very risky. You've given up a lot to get. To get, Yes. To get two players. Yes. I mean, they managed to get back into the second round of the draft with that pick 12. That mm. um, Yeah, but essentially they've lost their first three picks. They've mm. lost a very versatile player in Bianca Jacobson, a key forward in Bella Air, mm. And we spoke a lot about Carlton's midfield throughout the AFLW mm. season and we love a lot of their players. Mm. But they're all of a similar mould. Mm. And something about that Nat Exxon brought to that team was pace. Yeah. And they've given that away. And given that they don't actually have a selection until pick 12, mm. I'm just wondering what rabbit they're going to pull out of the hat yeah. in terms of bolstering <laughs> that midfield. Yeah. And is the plan to play Nicola Stevens more in the middle? Or do you now have the luxury of playing Bree in the middle because you mm. have Nick Stevens. So, I mean, that's well, another that, option. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure those conversations are being had. Anyway, I'm sure people that Furiously. are... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've thought about all these things mm-hmm. and are looking at the long game. Yes. <clears throat> it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, Darcy, you might find yourself in the midfield, so I'd be yes. getting on the... Uh, <laughs> on the somethings. The somethings. I don't know gym equipment. <laughs> um, so there were also some rookie signings. Mm. Now, in the trade rules, clubs can sign three rookies and two can be from other sports. So Melbourne has selected Kate Hoare, who is a basketballer. And I believe she's playing some footy with St Kilda Sharks mm. at the moment. And Carlton have picked up Karen Harrington, who's also a basketballer, and Madison Gay, who's a netballer. Let's hope they're fast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's also we're also in the free agency signing mm. period, but we've seen 
Melbourne's Jess Anderson being signed to the Bulldogs. Mm. Kelly Following Kip. Melbourne Uni, you know, De- Deanna Berry and her, both Melbourne Uni players have both gone, gone from to Melbourne yep. to Western Bulldogs. Something's happening. Something's happening. Mm. Uh, Kelly Gibson has uh, decided to go home to Frio. Mm. So the re-signings have happened. She's not been able to come to terms with mm. Adelaide, mm. is the phrase I kept seeing thrown around. Yeah. Um, speculation that, you know, she's not marquee again, blah, 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 and has gone home to Fremantle, mm. which is a great pickup for Fremantle because we spoke about how a lot of their A, a graders had moved elsewhere. Yep. Um, had been spread around the country, so they got one back. And one who, again, who didn't, you know, had that ankle injury early on, didn't have get as good a run of the season as yep. she could. Yeah. Um, but de- definitely showed in that first, what, 15 seconds of the grand final what she could do. Mm. Mm. Now, Melbourne have done a sneaky one. They've re-signed Harriet Cordner. Yeah, tell me how this works. You don't sign them, then you re-sign them. Well, I think, <laughs> and... Feel free to correct me, any Melbourne officials. <laughs> but I think you had to de- delist at least oh, five right. players. Okay. And they obviously yeah. rate her. So, right. re-signed. Mm. Alex Williams from GWS has gone home to WI as well. She's mm. signed, been signed by Frio. Yep. And uh, Beck Privatelli, mm. delisted from Carlton, is now a giant. Mm. Yeah, so... What are your overall thoughts about how teams have gone? My overall thoughts. We've spoken already about Carlton. Yeah, well, well, I think, I think GWS have done well. Yes, yes. I think that's what jumps out at me. They've got Alicia Eva, yep, Maddie Boyd, Pepper Randall, Rebecca Brivatelli. They have. They're going to get Renee Fourth back, hopefully, yep. who was their marquee from last year, who had done her ACL and uh, didn't play. They've re-signed a lot of their, you know, players that were doing well. Jess Delpos is back. Phoebe McWilliams is back. Lots of others. Lou Stevenson. Lou Stevenson. Yep. Yes, Lou Stevenson. Um, yeah. Yeah, they've I done think, well. I think they're going <coughs> to – well, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to have a much better season, I think. Yeah. And I, I also think – I also like what Melbourne have done. Mm. They – yes, they have lost a, a player with great potential in Berry, but they mm. gained Bianca Jacobson, who mm. I said earlier is – Super versatile, mm. and with that in that kind of mega trade, that pick twelve that they got from mm. the Bulldogs, and then they on traded that, so they actually have maintained their draft position as well. So they have a pick in mm. the first round and the second round. Yeah, right. So I think that was kind of clever little manoeuvring there. Uh, and then, well, I mean, Collingwood are interesting. They mm. they've gained Jamie, Jamie Lambert, Lambert, obviously, but lost their their best and fairest and, and runner up. Mm. Um, but they do have a lot of early picks now, so yeah. Um, you'll think you would think that they'll they'll bolster their list through mm. the draft now. Yeah, they didn't have probably as many A grade eighteen year olds as other teams, mm. so they'll get an opportunity to um, pick up a lot of that talent that's coming through. And I think you know I've heard said that you know this generation coming through are the first generation of female players, first year of female players who have been able to play un- uninterrupted. So. There's going to be some good talent coming through, and they've got lots of picks to to snaffle them up. Mm. And and Wayne Seekman has been involved at you know Vic Metro Youth Girls level mm. and and stuff, so he would have a pretty His good eye. pretty mm. good handle on um on the talent. Mm. What do you think of uh, Western Bulldogs? Um, I think I think they'd be pleased with how they've come out of it because now they've got pick one, 
and pick four. And Fremantle's got pick two. So really they've kind of got pick one and pick three from the Victorian draft. They've lost Jamie Lambert, but they've got Deanna Berry, who I think can similar-ish kind of players. Not No, it's not similar-ish players, but similar positions. Um, both very exciting. Both can, I think, uh, can turn a game. Mm. So I think they'd be pleased by that. And Deanna Berry's only young. And then they've picked up Jess Anderson, who was someone we did mention last year as, you know, starting to come on in the forward line. And, you know, hopefully they're going to get Katie Brennan back next year at full strength. So I'd be, yes, I'd be pleased if I was Western Bulldogs. They didn't, they weren't as active as other teams, but I think there was that whole trying to get Taylor Harris thing and it not really, yeah, yeah obviously not working mm. out. But now they've got pick one. Do you think Taylor was going anywhere other than Carlton though? I, I don't know. I don't really know. I I also don't – I'm a bit cynical about the Taylor chasing. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Why, why is that? If I put my cynical hat on, I would say that, uh, you know, um, trying to get Taylor to a Victorian club, the, a bit of it was about the marketing that she can bring. Yeah. Yes, she's an exceptional player. Um she – but she she's marketable and she has been the face of women's footy for a couple of years. So I have a, a calico bag in the other room with the silhouette of her kicking action on it. You know, that, that I think that that was part of her appeal as well. Um, she didn't have the greatest year at Brisbane. She definitely – there were times where she did great things, but it wasn't as consistent as I'm sure she would have liked. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of the way that the clubs are really going after her – I think part of it was her off-field appeal. Yeah. And they're trying to build, you know, build um, uh, women's footy and the women's footy team, the women's footy profile at their clubs, and she brings a lot of that to it. Mm. Yeah, well, it's interesting with this tiered system, Mm. (coughs) whether she's actually a tier one player. How many tier ones can you have? Don't quote me, but I believe just the two. Mm. Hence Kelly Gibson... Yeah, having yeah, to yeah. give up her tier one spot for Erin Phillips. Why only two? It seems silly. You know, when when will they move to just having a salary cap? Not sure yet. Not sure. But I guess with the salary cap comes a lot of other stuff of players all having to have agents that can negotiate on their behalf. And whereas I guess if there's just tiers, it's kind of less less of that argy bargy. Um, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and then the other teams, um, Fremantle and uh, Adelaide, mm. didn't really do much at the trade table. Probably didn't necessarily. Well, I guess they've got limited to. scope to yeah. do things. Um, you know, Adelaide are a premiership winning team. You know, you mm. think they're probably pretty confident in a lot of their list, um, but they still had to delist players. Um, you know, and they might think they're going to get another smoky, like they'll pick up a. Free agent somewhere that's willing to move across, or in like they did with Sarah Perkins, or what they're going to do in the trade. That oh, the draft. I keep mixing up the words. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll see. Fremantle. I think they'd be very pleased to get Kelly Gibson back. Um, hopefully they'll get uh, Bowers. Bowers mm-hmm. back as well. Again, like Renee Forth was a marquee. Did her ACL? Didn't get on the park. Hmm. Interesting, Interesting times. times. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. <laughs> but the um the current top ten draft order is as follows. Number one pick, Western Bulldogs. 
Second pick, Fremantle. Third pick, Collingwood. Fourth pick, Western Bulldogs. Fifth pick, GWS. Sixth pick, Melbourne. Seventh, Brisbane. Eight, Collingwood. Nine, oh, eight, Adelaide, sorry. Nine, Collingwood. Ten, Frio. Hmm. And as I said earlier, Carlton's first selection isn't until pick 12. Yeah. So, you know, both Collingwood and Western Bulldogs have two top 10 picks. Fremantle does as well, um, but I guess they're, they're more restricted. But there are, you know, there are players that do nominate that they would be willing to move and then Fremantle might be able to snaffle them up. And enjoy that Perth lifestyle that I hear so much about. Do you? No. <laughs> Just from people who've left Perth. Um, and who <laughs> miss the beaches. Shall we discuss the VFL season? Yes, let's. <laughs> it's interesting because, Alison, I'm also coaching this year, so I don't get to watch an awful lot of these games. Um, I'm not coaching at VFL level. No, I know. You're all shocked. My <laughs> knowledge of the game is so amazing. Um but yes, I am a bit caught up with um, Division 2 Darabin Falcons team in the Northern Football League's te- uh, Division 2. Um, but it's been very interesting. Melbourne Uni, they're coming. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, unbeaten on the top of the ladder on three wins are Geelong, who are new to the competition this year, Diamond Creek and Melbourne Uni, VU Spurs and Secured have won two games Devils and Darabin have won one. And then uh, still to uh, get a win on the board at Cranbourne. Box Hill, who are a new team, affiliated with Hawthorne and Seaford. Geelong, um, you know, fantastic out of the gates. However, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so far they've played Cranbourne, Box Hill and Seaford, I think. I'm going to have to double check that. So, um, you know, when they play a Diamond Creek or a um, Melbourne Uni, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens then. But obviously, you know, you've got to get wins on the board to to give yourself um, any chance of making finals, and they're doing that. So they're taking their chances. So that's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. Um, Darabin. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's delighted that Darabin isn't uh, winning. Uh, as, as much as they have in the past, they um, lost at the weekend by one point with a uh, last-minute goal. It was very dramatic, it I was to say. It was I don't, very dramatic. Game. I don't know if I can handle this kind of stress. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's coming together. There's lots of new players. Um, we'll see how the team progresses through the year. But, yes, Melbourne Union, Diamond Creek. Diamond Creek, you know, we've spoken to them. We, we've spoken about them and we spoke to Katie Loins at last year. They, you know, didn't do as well as they would have liked. Um, they didn't finish in the top four, which was, you know, the first time in a long time they hadn't made finals. But they've got a lot of, uh, you know, a couple of players back who've been out through injury, plus they've um, recruited a couple of um, AFLW players as well. Emma Grant's now there. Bella Ayres now there. Um, Justice Kennedy, I think. Yeah, so they're looking strong. And their grass at Plenty Park War Memorial Reserve, whatever it's called, is the best I've ever seen it. So Diamond Creek notoriously had, by June, July, a bog of a mud pit, bog of eternal stench. Um, you know, hashtag labyrinth fans out there. Um <laughs> And it's been re-sown and it was delightful. <laughs> so that makes a difference. And Melbourne Uni, well, they were uh, 
grand finalists last year and they're unbeaten so far. They beat Darabin in the first round. So, yep, watch out. When do those two te- – when do Dimer and Melbourne Uni play each other? Oh, that'll be a cracker. Yes, that, maybe I'll make myself available to go watch that. Geelong are playing Diamond Creek this week. So, we'll see how – um, Geelong go, you know, a relative. They were they were a new team this year. They've just been put together this year. They've um got the facilities of of the Geelong Football Club available to them. So that's probably given them a much bigger kickstart than other teams coming off, um, yeah. starting from scratch. But um, they're going to play Diamond Creek this week. So we'll, we'll see how that goes and how they can test themselves Is out it? against a a very um experienced outfit at Diamond Creek. Is it? In Geelong or no, in Diamond Creek? Mm. Mm. Yes, well, yes, we'll see. Mm. Um, but the influx of new players—it's mm. been quite incredible. Yeah, we've seen it firsthand at the Falcons, mm. and I'm sure it's happened right across the board. Yeah, um, we're in the position of having a third senior team for the first time ever, mm. but we've even had a you know a lot of players new to our VFL team. Mm. It's just been amazing, really, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we, you know, our head coach in Jane Lange was at Carlton. Um, myself, Grant Hammond and Richard Delpos were trying to, um, you know, get the footy program going. Um, our strength and conditioning people were doing all the preseason strength and fitness stuff. But we just had such a huge amount of girls coming down and, and ours is not a um, a unique story. I think it was lots of established football clubs were finding the same thing. They were just getting 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 new girls walking in the door um, ready to give footy a crack. Some of them are hanging around. <laughs> Um, some of them got the shock of their life. Um, and yeah, but lots of talents come out of the Woolwork and also just lots of girls that have always wanted to play. Don't don't have, you know, AFLW aspirations or VFL, um, aspirations, but just finally feel like they can play footy. It's socially acceptable. There's opportunities, there's more opportunities. So it's pretty exciting. Got to say. It's very exciting. (laughs) And, uh, now I know you, you won't want to talk up your... You're coaching so far. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. But I just want the listeners to know <laughs> that if they haven't been following the Darabin Falcons Division <laughs> 2 side, that they should get on board because we are 5-1. and one. Yeah. Yeah. We lo- we first game lost at the weekend. Um, yeah. No, that's it's been great. <laughs> it's been great. Um, it's a, in Division 2 um, – in, so the Northern Football League. So, so there's lots that's happened this year that's quite different to previous. Yes. The VWFL has uh, disbanded. And so we're now, um, you know, our uh, teams that are below VFL level are now in the Northern Football League. And then there are teams playing with the VAFA, with the SFL, with EDFL. So all the um, what have traditionally been men's leagues that might have had a youth girls program are now fielding senior women's divisions. Yep. Um, and that and they're being administrated by those leagues. So it's kind of hard now to talk about, well, this is our reserves or thirds team and how that kind of compares to, say, the, the thirds team in the VAFA. Um, you know, you, you can't kind of compare what the standard might be. But anyway, um, yeah, so we are playing. It's it's certainly noticeable when we play 
say, um, the Spurs or um, mm. Diamond Creek or uh, clubs that have had a, an established women's program for a long time, that their third team still has quite a few players in there that have played a little bit of football. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those games are really competitive and, and so forth. But sometimes we play teams that um, are just either brand new or they're um, a smaller club that have gone from one team to two teams. Mm-hmm. And so in that second team are just absolutely brand new girls, completely fresh to footy. Yep. Um, and, and the 25, we're allowed to have 25, seven on the bench, um, are all really new. new so yeah. so there have been you know a few results that have been probably flattered Darabin a bit more than I would otherwise suggest just because yeah, you're just playing brand new girls and, and footy is a hard game to grab a hold of as an adult I have to say it's big and chaotic you've got to have lots of different <laughs> skills it, it really is I mean even from my limited experience I, I mean I've watched football all my life but my first ever practice game for Darabin last year I was running around like a headless chook. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing and mm. I was gassed after mm-hmm. two minutes out mm. on the ground, got cleaned up. Yeah. Um, it was quite a – yeah, it's quite a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah. So when you when every player is going through that, yeah. it, it, it means that um, – It's just chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bit of chaos. Whereas um, teams like, you know, that I mentioned before have a handful of girls that play quite a bit of footy and get to be the generals out there and – um, direct and so on. So those teams are coming along a bit better, I'd mm. suggest. And that's um, happening with our team. Plus they're extremely well coached, yes. I've got to say. Just well, getting the fundamentals <laughs> into them. Exactly. <laughs> but there are a few um, a few new players, um, even in Division 2, that have transferred over from other sports like soccer. Mm. Um, I won't name names. But, <laughs> but it's interesting – Especially when it comes to defensive setups and reading the play, mm. it's still those kind of things do transfer. You yeah. can kind of tell people who have played those kinds of sports compared to the other girls that have actually never yeah picked up a footy. Look, it's a funny one, and to be honest, I think it's often about. This is my anecdotal evidence. Is women and fear of getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So if you've played. A contact sport. Yep. And I'd call basketball a contact sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for these pu- this purpose. Mm. And soccer or even hockey. Yep. You've had a lot of time of accidentally getting elbowed in the face or getting the ball kicked in your face where you've got to experience that. And so that really ang- anxious fear of God type jumpiness that a lot of female players have when they start is out of you because you've already experienced it in other sport and you know, well, you know, hopefully that it's short-term pain, you'll get over it, it's fine. And so, therefore, you're much more attacking. You know, the, the defenders, say, that have, have come from soccer, they go and meet the ball. Yes. They're ready to go and attack that ball even though they're defensive and, and they can weigh that up in their mind. Um, in the in the split second when they've got to make their decision, should I say or should I go? I might get hit in the face. Rah, 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 they, they do it. Whereas girls that have never played a contact sport who are really frightened of getting hurt and have never kind of incidentally got hurt and know that, oh, you'll actually survive. Like mm, you'll just mm. shake it off and it'll be fine. Yep. That fear, you, it's really hard to get out of them. So I've been trying at training to whack them a lot with <laughs> tackle backs. <laughs> um just to, you know, get that into them. But I do have to say that last Thursday we did a lot 
of bumping and kind of uh, tenderizing, <laughs> if they were a schnitzel, of the girls. <laughs> and then I had to say on Saturday when we were playing Diamond Creek, I didn't see one bump get laid. It's like I just – it went the complete opposite direction where they're all so traumatised by getting bumped. They're like, we're never bumping ever again. <laughs> so, look, it's it, it's interesting. I think um, – it, and it's also something that I completely re- relate to my own experience. I didn't play football and – well, I didn't play senior football until I was 27. So, I had to go through all this – and so I appreciate that from the players and I guess I'm trying to um, jumpstart them on all the things I learned, had to learn to do and all the bad habits or habits I needed to, bad habits I needed to get out and good habits I needed to get in and try and help the girls um, do that. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting. We'll, we'll see how the season goes. As normal, June hits, everyone's injured, everyone's going to Bali, you got no one on the bench, <laughs> you know, we had... Girls coming out of the ceiling in, in January and, and now, you know. But that happens everywhere. It happens every year. Who AFL's change, AFLW's changed a lot of things, but that, the mid-season slump. slump <laughs> attendance slump. <laughs> attendance slump is here. That's <laughs> why I do remember actually a game last year. We didn't have a third team. We just had the two. And um, we had to... We had to call in some extra troops that hadn't <laughs> played for a couple of years just to cover one game because mm. it happened to be uni holidays and Splendour in the Grass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a yeah, significant lack of uh, available players for some reason. Mm. Yeah. So I should actually have penciled in when Splendour is this year, so I'm uh, anticipating <laughs> this. Um, yeah. But look, it's been... It's been pretty exciting. One thing I did want to talk about is um, how clubs and not, you know, talking beyond Darabin, how women's footy programs at clubs all across Australia, how we actually maintain and sustain this. Um, So this enormous growth in participation of female players. You know, I made a joke in our last podcast about... (laughs) You know, we were talking about, um, you know, how 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 will AFLW grow if, um, you know, we only had an eight week season this year, but where does the time come from? And I'm and I made a joke that men's AFL should AFLM should go for eighteen rounds. Mm. Now, I'm completely serious when I say that. At the same time as knowing that that's a very controversial thing that I can't see happening anytime soon. Mm. But the reason that I say that is because I'm a pragmatist at heart and and, and I see that there there are only so many ovals. (laughs) Yes. There are only so many change rooms. Um, There's only so many slots on a Saturday and a Sunday where games can go. Yeah. So we've had like maybe hundreds more women's teams pop up this year. Yes. So where do they go? We can't just have women's footy growing exponentially and that comes at no cost to any other football program. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, um, you know, men's footy needs to shut down, but that uncapped level of we're just going to get, have as many teams as we, as as we have people for, well, that needs to change. As we we have as many teams as we physically have room for, um, and I think that you know, this year has shown that there are, there is probably a lack of 
coaches who are equipped to um, to, to teach women how to play the sport. I think there there is something specific that novice women need mm. um, that they might not necessarily get. I think, unfortunately, in the past, women's football has uh, struggled to attract good coaches and often we've got coaches who couldn't make it in the men's game. Mm. Um, and now that we've had this growth on such a huge level, I feel like a lot of those particular coaches are now, you know, teams are crying out for coaches and they're getting their in. So we've got lots of new players coming out of new clubs. They're trying to get off the ground. They're trying to fundraise. They're trying to buy balls or whatever. They might not be getting coached um, by particularly great coaches. Um, and, you know, what's their experience going to be like? Is this going to be just a big bubble that bursts because all these girls come out, they don't have a great experience, they don't have good resources, they get put on the worst ground, um, which I know is happening. Mm. I could tell you anecdotes. Um, <laughs> they get put on the worst ground because no one else is – none of the existing footy programs are willing to give up anything. Mm. So – it's an interesting time. Mm. We'll see. You know, I don't want I don't want girls who finally got their chance to play footy have such a bad experience that they, you know, give it one year and that, that's it, or don't even give it a year and that's it because because of what happens. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting what you say about yeah experience because I like I know even from my own that look for Christ's sake I ummed and ahed about playing football for the last ten to fifteen years mm-hmm. and I never did because I was too bloody scared to do it mm. and I finally did and I'm so lucky that I landed at a club like Darabin mm. but there are in reality there are a lot of um a lot of barriers to um women participating in sport and especially a traditionally male dominated sport like football and we do we really do want them to have positive experiences because if you have a negative one you can very quickly lose all those women mm. yeah so my suggestion is <laughs> if you're, you know, on the fence about whether to join a footy team or not, is to just do a bit of research, you know, try and get in touch with people from, you know, a, a club you're wanting to go to and, and ask them a few questions about who's coaching, what the values of the club are. I think good clubs have values that they know what they are yeah. <laughs> and can talk about them. You don't necessarily need to join um, – you know, a, an ex- uh, a football program that's been going for years and years because I'm sure that there are lots of really quality new women's footy teams that are coming up. But I think it's about the personnel there and and um, the personalities of, of the the coach and the president and whoever who are, who are running that program and whether they've got their head screwed on correctly. Um, so, yeah, do, you know, some new teams are going to get going and do a really good job. Some new teams aren't and it's going to fall apart. Um, some existing clubs um, are doing really good things. Some aren't. So I'd, I'd suggest if, that you, you know, go to a training session and, and you don't need to commit. <laughs> you know, go to a training session, get the feel, like it, return. You know, if you don't like it, go to another training session. Um, you know, I think you can really tell a lot from, from, from that and, and whether it's a good fit for you. Yeah. And I guess the other part of um, what we're seeing in terms of the explosion in, in, in women's teams is that – so a bit of backstory. Those that like their local council politics, 
I know at Darabont Council and at Moreland Council, they've, they've done it slightly differently, but but they've put in place certain policies that really incentivizes clubs to have more female participation. So at Darabin, the way they've done it, if I remember correctly, is you had to um, submit, um, you know, how many women's teams you had going. Um, and, and not just women's teams, other kind of uh, marginalised groups. So if you run certain programs for people with disabilities or um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, so... Y- you kind of show how you've, you've, you're providing opportunities for uh, diverse communities or for women and then you got a significant discount uh, in your fees, your, your, your rental, as well as you secure, you were able to secure grounds, um, your, your preference basically. Yep. At Moreland Council, I think it's, it, I'm not sure about the discount, but they basically uh, are preferencing teams, uh, t- clubs who have women's teams so what we're finding is there are you know perhaps uh, clubs that have never had um, women's teams who who might have been in a bit of a battle of council to hold on to their club rooms to hold on to the ground who suddenly have seen that this might be a way of holding on to their club rooms and their facilities the other thing is that um, local council and state government uh, there's lots of, not lots but there's money and grants around at the moment to improve change rooms mm. um, based on making them female friendly but at the same time you're improving the whole club room so yeah. so there is an incentive for um, clubs that might never have really entertained the idea of having female teams to have them now that is really good yeah. But you can you can see, I'm sure, how this could be taken advantage of, <laughs> mm, mm. Um, and how uh, clubs that don't really care about women's sport and don't really want to um, take anything away from their men's programs and um, really just want to tick the box so that they can, you know, uh, maintain a hold of their facilities and improve them through getting those grants might take advantage of this system. <laughs> Another um, exciting thing coming up on the VFL calendar uh, involving our club Darabin and Melbourne Uni is the Pride and Inclusion game that's happening in Hamilton on the seventeenth of June. Um, I know from as a you know as a club we're we're very proud to be to be involved in this game, but it it's particularly pertinent I think having read some of the comments made by. Margaret Court recently. <laughs> She's doubling down. She really is. Uh, we yeah. were kind of discussing it a bit earlier off air and, you know, we, we took it originally as someone with really quite outdated views, but the the second lot of comment, the comments to come out <laughs> this week just really... Look, she, she did talk about homosexuality was ungodly, had an ungodly lust for the flesh. And all I could think of was... God damn it does. That's the best bit. <laughs> Jeez. It's enough to be ostracized. You get kicked out of places. People call you butch dykes all the time. If I don't get some nice lust for the flesh, it's not even worth it. <laughs> Jeez, Mark. <laughs> oh, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, but it is a <laughs> joking aside. I think that Melbourne Parks or whatever they're called 
stuffed up when they didn't call it the Margaret Court. All right, oh, it, was all, I know. it was not a winner from the beginning. Yep. Unless they change it to the Tina Arena, <laughs> we're going to continually be cursed by this. All right, the Margaret Court Arena just stupid. It should have been called the Margaret Court. Clearly, they didn't do their due due, due diligence with mm. this. Um, so, <laughs> look, it's going to be interesting because a lot of those, you know, there's French Open and happening now, and you know. Um, I was supposed to say Andy Ma. That's not his name. Andy Murray. Andy Murray. Hi, Emma. Um, <laughs> Andy Murray's come out and said, you know, they need to sort this out before we get there in January because otherwise they're going to have, you know, boycotting players. Um, no, it's 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 just a reminder that, you know, we, we get caught in the bubble of AFLW and um, women's footy and that, you know, everyone's progressive and everyone's cool, you know, <laughs> and then something like this comes out. And, you know, in tennis of all sports, for yeah. goodness oh. sakes, um, you know, um, that the conversations we have on the podcast, that ha- the Hamilton game, um, you know, how progressive and um, accepting that AFLW was is important. Like just when you think that it's – it's not like why we keep banging on about how great it is to have out people in in public life, and then something like this happens. You're like, oh no, oh, that's yeah, why. That's why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So good on you, Margaret. I know you're Australia's the world's greatest tennis player. <laughs> oh, I know, but this is the thing that really I'm gonna go here. This is the <laughs> thing that really annoyed me is that she flaunts her tennis record mm. as though that's justification for her really mm. backward bigoted yeah, being views. Bigot, yeah. She's kind of tried to walk that back. But, you know, it's, it's out there now. Look, any time I get compared to Hitler and communists is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't confirm when we'll be back. <laughs> no, we cannot. But I think we, we, do, have, we do have some, um, some guests in the, in the pipeline. Do we? You can chat to me later about that. <laughs> <laughs> LJ. Oh, yeah. And maybe someone else mm-hmm. close to our hearts. Um, Darcy Pierce. Darcy, <laughs> Darcy Pierce. As uh, Melissa Hickey <laughs> met in Mudonga. Um. Um, but we will be back uh, as soon as humanly possible mm-hmm. with some scintillating women's football content yeah. for your ears. Um, but we will see you next time on this AFL Life. Bye.